Hi, folks. Keith Jones here. You're fixing to listen to Front Row Knowles on the podcast. But before we get started, we want to thank the Champions Club and specifically Seminole Boosters for sponsoring our podcast that allows us to bring the podcast to you commercial free. You know, we are one tribe. We are unconquered. In the last uh, few years, Florida State has built a tradition of excellence. But right now, all of us that are Seminoles are facing a challenge. We've got 20 sports programs, all the coaches, student athletes that are involved. We've got some budget cuts that we're trying to uh, work through due to the pandemic. And right now, we need you. In order to provide all of our teams and student athletes with the best possible opportunity for success, we need your help. We need you to join Seminole Boosters. We need you to renew your membership. We need you to increase your contribution. We need you to consider making a gift. We don't talk heavy-handed like this much, but this is the time to be a little heavy-handed. Help us out. Help Florida State out. Help Florida State boosters out. And most of all, we want to continue to thank the boosters and specifically the Champions Club for sponsoring us and bringing Front Row Knowles to you. Stay tuned and listen. Thanks. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles First Look. Keith Jones and I have been doing this for the last several seasons. It's basically an immediate reaction after the game. Uh, in this case, it's maybe an hour and a half, two hours after the game before Keith and I are catching up. I just got uh, back from the stadium. Uh, KJ, there's a lot to digest. For those who are tuning in for the first time, I'll just tell you that uh, this is what we'll do. We'll kind of give a general overview. We'll hear some comments from Coach Norvell, and then as the show moves along, then one segment will talk defense, one will talk offense, and one will sort of talk special teams and tangibles, what's next, and all that. So all that said, Keith, you and I have not connected on this at all, so I'll let you fire away. I have clearly plenty of thoughts on this, but you do as well, so uh, the, the stage is yours. I'll start with what is most obvious, not creative here, but uh, disappointment. Uh, I thought after FSU jumped out to that 10 nothing lead, uh, by that time Blackman was 7 of 9 passing. Uh, the defense have, had given up a, quite a bit of yardage, but Asante Samuel had uh, had redeemed them a couple of times, if you will, or ultimately would, uh, in the red zone. And I felt pretty good. But but I felt something leaving. I felt something missing. And, and as it turns out, unfortunately, James kind of uh, went back to his old self uh, they continue to have offensive line issues, particularly in the second half, although many of those were attributable to uh, injuries. And and you just didn't see, once again, on the offensive side of the ball, anybody stepping up and making that play like you and I have talked about for the last two or three or four years, that, that they needed some spark, particularly on the offensive side, and they just didn't get it. And the same story that's been true for several years now, when you – when you play games that are close like this, you can point to any myriad of plays as the difference. Or you can point to the ref, or you can point to the question of was was Georgia Tech faking some injuries there to, to slow some momentum. I mean, you, you start getting all these conspiracy theories, but the reality is when you're not good enough, that's the kind of games you find yourself in. But But to your point, Keith, you had one series in the game, I guess third quarter, Florida State basically dropped touchdowns on consecutive plays. I mean, Emmett Rice had a pick six. And the next offensive play is going to be 74 yards to Tamari and Terry, and he drops it. 
and you can't leave Georgia Tech hanging around. And I'm not saying that would have finished them, but you would have breathed a little easier if either of those plays get cashed in. Without question, and and particularly the wide receivers, I didn't think I didn't think they blocked particularly well. We saw the drop ball by uh, Tamarian. Uh, Warren Thompson had one or maybe two. And the other thing that they got away from, we we had not really known because none of us has been to practice, none of us had seen the scrimmages, but you know, could Cameron McDonald really do something from the tight end position? And he had four catches for the game. I think three of them came early on the first couple of three drives, and then they completely went away from that. And so I'll be curious uh, and interested to see how they address that as they move forward. Yeah, the quick thumbnail for me, I mean, the quarterback play is still not what you what you want to see or what you need to see. Uh, the special teams was much improved, and we'll talk about that. Now, I know you're not going to block three kicks on a regular basis, but even if you just looked at the kick coverage, that was better than where it's been for the last few years. And it looks like Travis Jay has potential, and we'll get into that later. Defensively, I still think there's a lot of good parts. I think you have to – sometimes you have to tip your cap and give credit to Georgia Tech, and I thought that Jeff Sims, but the combination of his legs and the way they called the game, which was throwing on – you know, a more traditional running down and staying ahead of the chains that way. Florida State just, you know, they went so quick that they couldn't get a pass rush, and and guys were open for five or six yards at a time. I don't know how much the tempo that Tech ran affected Florida State's defensive front. And, of course, with Kendo going down early, uh, that didn't help. But certainly a strength of that Florida State defense, the defensive front did not get much pressure on him at all. And you do have to take your hat off the Sims, and we do have to remind ourselves we hate it. But, you know, he was a Florida State commit uh, prior to the change. Uh, and then, you know, the year before, uh, Howell was a commit, ends up going to University of North Carolina. So we're seeing two kids that, you know, at least verbally at one point in time would have been wearing uh, the garnet and gold come in and, and at least perform well. We'll get a chance to look at Howell. Uh, later on, but uh, Sims was 24 of 35, 277 yards and a touchdown. And just as importantly, he was 13 rushing attempts for 64 yards, and Florida State only got one sack that I recall on him. So you you do have to take your hat off to a freshman, uh, a true freshman, playing in his first game, an away game, and he performed very, very well and outperformed outperform Blackman heads and shoulders. Okay, well, let's listen to Coach Mike Norvell. Uh, this is from his uh, post-game press conference where he meets the media. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get his thoughts and his takeaway. Obviously, he's disappointed too, and uh, then we'll react from there. But uh, here is Coach Mike Norvell as he addressed the media after uh, his first game, a 16-13 loss to Georgia Tech. Uh, con- congratulations, Coach Collins, his, uh, his team. Um, you know, hard-fought victory. Um, you know, disappointed and hurting for our guys. Um, obviously, um, you know, missed out on some opportunities tonight. Um, you know, we struggled to, to sustain, um, you know, momentum, struggled to, to sustain drives, had some, had some missed opportunities throughout the course of the game. And, um, you know, it was, um, it was definitely heartbreaking to, to come up short on that one. And, uh, you know, I think our guys, uh, you, you definitely battled throughout. Um, you know, I was really pleased with uh, some of the things that I saw from uh, the effort that we had uh, defensively. Um, you know, obviously, 
uh, special teams. I thought I thought did some really good th- things with the block kicks. Uh, you know, did did a nice job in their coverage. Um, you know, had a, had a couple different opportunities to impact the game. Um, but you know, just collectively as a football team, we're not consistent enough. You know, missed out on some opportunities to get them off the field. Uh, you know, allowed allowed them to um, convert on you know fifty percent of the third downs. Was extended some drives. Had some miscommunication. Uh, you know, things that we just uh, you know, absolutely can't have. Um, you know, in all phases. And, uh, you had some uh, you know critical penalties, uh, some drop passes. You know, obviously the three turnovers. Uh, you know, you know something that um, you know absolutely hurt our football team. Um, you know, in, throughout the course of the game, and um, just you know, it was not. Um, you know, obviously not the way that uh, that we wanted to begin. I thought our I thought our guys came out with a, with a great deal of energy. Um, you know, we were able to move the ball early, but then as the course of the game went, uh, just you really struggled to sustain drives and and obviously lacked the explosive play, which is something that uh, that we need to be able to have. But um, you know, I, like I said, I thought our guys battled. I was fully confident that uh, in the in the two minute situation, uh, we were going to be able to to put ourselves in 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 a, in a spot to be able to win the game. Um, but unfortunately, had a, had a couple of mistakes uh, that that cost us there at the end as well. That um, you know you kept that from from uh, being reality. But um, you know, hurting for these guys. But just like I told them there in the locker room, um, you know, we have to respond. I mean, you know, nobody nobody wants to start uh, like we just uh, like we just did. But um, this football team uh, does not have to be defined by tonight. You know, they'll be defined by how they respond to this situation and how we move forward uh, there together. Uh, you know, as a program. You had some conversation with James Blackman coming off the field. What was he telling you? Was he seeing what you thought he should be seeing? What were those? What were the breakdowns offensively? Uh, I'm sorry, Ira. Can you start the first part of that question again? I'm sorry. Uh, several times you were having conversations after drive stalled with James. Was he seeing what you wanted him to be seeing at that point? Was was, uh, was he able to exp- explain what wasn't working? Uh, you know, there were there were um, you know throughout the course of the game there were a handful of opportunities that uh, you know I, I think that. You know, James were, was seeing the right things, and whether it's you know one you know, one issue or the other at uh, at a different position um, that kind of kind of forced him to hesitate. But um, you know, and then there were a few times that uh, you know that he missed an opportunity, or um, you know has to continue to work to, to get his eyes in, in the right place. But uh, you know, all in all, um, you know that was across the board. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, when you look at when you look at our offense in general, the, the the consistency didn't really show up at any any position. We had a lot of um, you know. Quite a few mistakes that, that that showed up in critical situations, and um, you know that we had the, the handful of turnovers. We had a couple guys that go down. Had to play a lot of lot of different players, um, you know, along the offensive front. Um, you know, it's just a, it was a, a challenge throughout the game to get that rhythm and momentum uh, going. But um, you know, at the end of the day, it it, it should come down to, to just one play, and uh, yeah, that's what we have, we have to do a better job of, just focusing on the next play, going out there to execute to the best of our ability, and uh, we'll be able to overcome, overcome some of those situations. And Mike, um, first two drives offensively obviously worked really well. Was there anything in particular they changed after that, or anything in particular you guys didn't do as well after that? Uh, well, there, yes, sir. There's a, a lot of things that we didn't do as well. Um, you know, after you know, we we kind of 
you know, hurt ourselves in a lot of in a lot of different situations with with penalties. We had a couple missed opportunities. Uh, um, you know, trying to push the ball down the field that that uh, you know, I thought we had explosive plays that that were there. But um, you know, it's just uh, you know it's something that we've got to do a better job of of you know just the consistency of, of our execution and making sure that. They were trusting our eyes uh, at every position and being able to sustain those drives. But um, you know, I thought I thought we did start start well. I thought our guys uh, were were operating, and we had a couple of uh, a couple three and outs there. Uh, you know, early in the, or I guess midway through the first half. Um, you know, when you that's one of those those challenging things. Uh, you know, coming off the the lightning delay. You know, we had a plan. We've been through the plan. Um, you know, we've got to we've got to make sure that we carry that over uh, once we get uh, you know get out on the field and uh, you'll be able to sustain that through the rest of the half. And um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, um, you know. Everything that we did tonight, you know, it comes back to to what we're doing with our pressure preparation, and that starts with me. And uh, you know, we've got to do a better job working the consistency of of what we're asking our guys to do, and then you know, making sure that um, you know we're we're able to execute that uh, once it gets to game time. Plenty to react to as we hear a disappointed Mike Norvell, Keith. I think we always do this. So we're going to go offense or defense first. I know where I want to go. What are you going to say? I'm going to let you lead the train, Tommy, whichever way you like. Okay. Should I keep our listeners in suspense? Let's tell them. We'll do offense, and we'll address it right after this. (laughs) This is Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. First look, if this is your first time catching this show, here's the deal. Keith and I recorded a couple hours after the game. It uh, airs at 8 o'clock on uh, ESPN Tallahassee 97.9, 8 o'clock a.m. on Sunday mornings, and then again 6 o'clock on Mondays. So if you're catching the Monday rendition, uh, this is before Keith and I really have consumed or digested any of the postgame comments. This is just uh, – we haven't watched the game again. This is just initial thoughts. So before the break, Keith, I said let's talk offense. First two drives of the game, well, especially the first drive. I mean, the Mike Norvell era starts – Granted, uh, it, it took Georgia Tech going down the field in an Asante Samuel interception, but you end up around midfield. You get a 52-yard drive. It looked like Florida State could do what it wanted on that drive, and, and Keyshawn Helton gets into the end zone, and you're thinking, seven zip, this looks pretty good. Two things jumped out at me early. Number one, the offensive line. They got up there. They knew their assignments. They made their blocks. Florida State was successful rushing the ball. And number two, Blackman was accurate. Uh, he didn't take any – any chances, didn't throw any bad balls, that first series in particular, and then on into the second. And I'm going, okay, okay, the two things we were worried about. Number one, can the offensive line show some improvement? And number two, has, has James gotten over uh, some of the things that we saw so often plague him last year in, the, in, 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 in his prior times? And so far, so it looks so good. And, and even in the second drive, although they had to settle for the field goal, uh, I'm going, we're up 10 nothing. I know the defense has given up some stuff, but I like the way the offense is playing, and then something happened. Well, it was 10-zip after two drives, and I'm looking at my notes. So the first drive, Blackman had that great throw to Cam McDonald. Now, 
I say great throw, Keith. I don't know what it looked like to you. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he intentionally threw it away from the safety and forced McDonald to go the other direction to make the catch, but maybe it was just an errant throw and a great catch by Cam McDonald. On the second drive, Warren Thompson, and you can weigh in on both these, it was a third down play. Thompson made the catch. They review it and wave it off. Uh, and, and Thompson had a couple drops in this game. That one was a bullet pass. You, to me, you'd like to see a little bit more touch. But, again, I haven't looked at the replay, and he might not have been able to do that. So your general thoughts on those two plays? Uh, I, I think he did what he needed to do. I, I do think he was trying to get the ball away from the safety again uh, in the throw to McDonald. And I do think he could have had a little more touch. Uh, that would have allowed uh, Thompson actually the ability to maybe catch the ball without losing his, his footing. Uh, and, of course, I say catch the ball. They ultimately re- reviewed that it was on the ground. And, and I was watching a TV replay. I think it was. I think that was a good call. Uh, but he was a little bit off. And, and then we saw James be a little bit further off as we got further into the ball game. Here's the thing, and I, I, we don't have to – well, I, I guess uh, I'll come back to this larger point. But continuing to look at my notes here, you know, so it's 10 nothing, and then you really bogged down. You had a – I think about 105 yards of total offense on your first two drives, and then you go your next six or seven drives and probably you know, only get 100 more yards uh, of total offense. We saw Blackman with some scrambles early on. He took the, uh, the easy yards. Uh, you know, Terrible decision on that third and 15 when he was rolling to his right, and already half the field he doesn't have to worry about. I mean, he's got just a small area of the field to look at, and he just throws the interception right there, and that's the kind of mistake you can't have from a, a fourth-year quarterback. He did a much better job of getting rid of the ball a couple of times instead of taking sacks. He did run the ball relatively effectively. But I didn't think – I don't know how much – you'd have to ask uh, Coach Dillingham how much of the run game was a true RPO or whether it was just set up to look like that. But I didn't think James made very good decisions in handing the ball off several times. Now, he may not have had the option to pull it and run with it, it may have been predetermined, but certainly if it was a true option, he didn't run it very well, and I was a little disappointed in that. I thought another – so I talked about the poor decision on the interception. I, I thought another one – and he did this last year, and I don't remember the exact uh, time on the clock, but it was a third and six where he kept it and scrambled, and he dove out of bounds after picking up five yards, or he ran out of bounds. And the quarterback has to know where – now, they got the first down on the next play. But James Blackman has to know where he has to get to on that play. He just gave up. All he has to do is fall forward, and he's going to get the first down there. You know, one of the things you've got to do when you're scrambling like that, particularly on third down, is you've got to pick up the markers. Uh, you know, you got markers on either side. You've got the true chains, the chain gang, so you know where that goes. But they lay down a marker on the backside. So you've got a reasonable idea of where you've got to get to. Uh, obviously, if uh, our fans that were watching on television would say, well, you got that yellow line that they put on there. Well, that's on TV. That doesn't, that's not on the real field. But there are some physical things that he can use that if he'll learn to pick them up, and you would think going into year four, that would already have occurred. He can use those to help him, much like a pylon at the goal line. I don't want to continue the. I don't want to turn this all into a quarterback thing and bash James Blackman here because uh, I'd like to see more consistent play. I'm, I'm sure the coach Dillingham and coach Norvell would, and and hopefully they they can make some strides there. 
the reality is Tamari and Terry, again, he dropped the touchdown. And if maybe you think he wasn't going to score a touchdown, he certainly dropped a 50-yard completion, but he would have caught it and scored. Um, Warren Thompson had some drops. I think the offensive line, as you accurately pointed out, uh, just about, I think, four starters on the offensive line went out of the game at one point or another. And it was noticeable to me when Maurice Smith was out and Babyon Johnson went in the first time at center. He had two penalties himself right there, and the off, that's when the offense really bogged down. You know, they got Maurice back in there, and they moved Babyon back to guard, but then other guys fell out. Chaz Neal came in for a play, and that, you know, he got beat right away, and that was the fumble. Uh, you know, the parts are what the parts are. And it's not going to help if, if guys are going out for a series at a time, which happened on Saturday. Exactly. And, 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 and Coach Atkins and staff have got to find a way, at least a way, to when those younger kids go in, try to do some things to protect them. I know when Neil went in, I believe it was a third down, they had to throw the ball when it was sacked and, and the fumble. But at the same time, you know, be aware of who your personnel out there are. And, uh, and and you're right. I counted them. There were four at well, at least at one point, all four of the five starters went out of the ball game at some point during the contest. What did you think about the running backs, Keith? Because I, here's the here's the concern I had watching today. If we think that the offensive line, when everybody's out there, is a little bit better than what they've had, and the jury's still out on that. Maybe today was a reminder or, or Saturday was a reminder of just how good Cam Akers really was. Because, I, I, you know, we, we saw, I guess, three different guys get touches from the backfield. And, again, it's a short sample size. It's one game, so I, I don't know. But we, we've been pretty spoiled at running back around here between Dalvin Cook and Cam Akers. Devonta Freeman was in there. What was your thought of what you saw on Saturday? Well, Webb and Corbin combined for 19 touches. And they combined for, by my guess, a little over 50 yards which meant they averaged about two and a half, three yards a carry. They were getting a lot of contact behind the line of scrimmage, things that, you know, uh, the Dalvins of the world uh, taught us that you've got you've to get yardage after contact. But the thing that also jumped out at me is that when, when Jordan Travis went in, he ended up with six carries for 39 yards. When they went to the ability for the quarterback to run, they picked up yardage, and obviously that option isn't as great for you when James Blackman is in there. Now, also, Travis had a horrible pass on the one attempt he had. You know, it, it was a microcosm of why they don't play him uh, more than they do, and they don't ask him to throw the ball down the field. He, he just hasn't matured into that type of player yet. But uh, there is something there, Tom that can be exploited and I just need to continue to work on it. I do. My, I guess the answer to your question is I thought the running game showed some improvement, but there was no consistency in it. I was going to ask you about Jordan Travis next because he can do some things. Apparently throwing is not one of them right now, but it seems like there's got to be – what else can you do with him other than pull Blackman out and put him in and the defense knows he's going to run the football? I mean, how, how do you get him in there and create some more confusion? I, I think you put him in at running back and ask him, you know, maybe he doesn't have the full playbook, but he is as at least as talented as Webb and Corbin in running the ball. Now the question is, do you want to subject your second-team quarterback, as it were, to uh, injury, you know, more so than you need to? 
but I think you've got to find some ways to get the ball in his hands. He came in on two series, uh, and, and, and maybe it needs to be four during a game, or it needs to be two series at quarterback and a couple of series at, at wide receiver. I don't know how he catches the ball. That's a whole other conversation for another day. But he is and does have the ability to make plays. We'll wrap up this offensive segment. Tamari and Terry Keith, uh, they, di- they didn't get the ball to him very much in the first half, and it seemed like they recognized that at halftime because there were a couple series where he caught two, two balls in a row. He missed the deep ball that I've referenced already. He winds up with six catches, pedestrian numbers. Reality is if he catches that for a touchdown, he's got seven catches for 120 yards or whatever it is in a score. And we're th- that, I mean, that's about where we think he should be every game, is it not? Or should, they be, or should they be getting him the ball more than what they did? Well, I, I, I think the, the obvious answer is they got to get the ball more to the tight end, and maybe they got to get the ball more to the wide outs. One of the things that happens subconsciously, consciously, or otherwise is when your wide receivers start dropping the ball as a quarterback or an offensive coordinator, you're just not as likely to try to get the ball to them down the field. That's part of the reason they went to those uh, you know, flanker-type screens and short passes and that type of thing. But the bottom line is if, if you are projected to be a first-round draft pick, you cannot drop a ball that you're open. That's just the bottom line. That's not, that's not something that uh, can be excused, and it, it just shouldn't happen, period, the end. Anything else on offense you want to add, Keith? Uh, you know, I, I think we, we have to remember that uh, Coach Norvell is continuing to understand his personnel and that type of thing in terms of the play calling, and that'll get better as the season goes along. Uh, I, I think all of that is a learning experience, and, and let's, not, let's not forget the 12 practices in the spring that, uh, you know, they just didn't have the opportunity to work on. I know they had 20-something practices in the fall, but that's another third, a full third practices to install this offense. It's kids familiar with running it and the staff familiar with calling it with the kids that they have. And uh, it's going to take a while, Tommy. It's just going to take a while. We will come back. We'll flip our attention the other way. We'll go to Keith's uh, specialty and break down uh, Florida State's defensive effort, which clearly uh, struggled against Jeff Sims, freshman quarterback, who at one point in his uh, – career was committed to come to Florida State. Step aside, we're halfway home on Front Row Knowles' first look. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by the Osceola, dedicated to FSU sports and fan experiences. Sign up for a free trial at theosceola.com or call 833-FSU-NEWS. Tom Block, Keith Jones, back with you. Florida State falls to Georgia Tech 16-13. Keith, we talked about the uh, offense. Let's talk about the defense now. Uh, there, there really was not any point in the game where it looked like Florida – I mean, Georgia Tech was moving the ball up and down the field. Now, they weren't scoring points, and so that's a credit to Asante Samuel. That's a credit to the field goal uh, defense, if you will, and Marvin Wilson. 
but but I mean, Georgia Tech was able to stay ahead of the chains and and really pile up a lot of yards on on what we think and still think is a pretty good Florida State defense. Finished with 438 yards of total offense, uh, about 270, 280 of that through the air. The rest on the ground, obviously. I thought that the play calling, what Florida State was trying to do defensively, was a direct um, result of Sims being the quarterback. You know, until about Thursday of this week, FSU did not know who the starting quarterback for Georgia Tech was going to be. And uh, though they say and they give the, the good coach speak that it doesn't matter who's in there, we're going to continue to do our things, et cetera, et cetera. When Sims was announced as the starter, you knew that he had the ability not only to throw the ball but to run the ball. FSU, I didn't chart the plays, but FSU, Tommy, was 70% zone, 80% zone. Very rarely did they bring pressure. Very rarely did they play man coverage. And I think that was a direct result of being cautious and being wary of Sims' ability to run the ball because, as I mentioned previously, he ended up with 13 carries for 64 yards. That's a lot of carries for a quarterback that's not, quote, unquote, no longer in you know the triple option offense. And I think as a result, the, the corners were off, the safeties were off. They were there. Uh, I don't think there were any busted assignments per se. But I think if, if hindsight, and we can all Monday morning quarterbacks, in our case, Sunday morning quarterback, I think if FSU had, had chosen to be a little bit more pressure on the defense, that yardage would have been a little different because when they got into the red zones, they started applying pressure. And that's, resulted, that's what resulted in those interceptions. That's re- what resulted in those other two stops that put them in the position that they could block a field goal. I thought that Georgia Tech did a nice job of staying ahead of the chains. I mentioned this earlier. By throwing on first down, taking five yards here, they weren't in third and long a ton. The first time they were in third and long was the first Asante Samuel interception. Uh, that was, And that was after, you'll recall, Georgia Tech was inside the 10 or certainly inside the 20, and they had a penalty that knocked them all the way back on an ineligible receiver. And so uh, – I don't have the down and yardage in front of me, but it, it was a third and long when Asante picked that off. But but I thought they did a nice job of just keeping Florida State off balance that way. And the other thing, you know, if you're throwing little five-yard uh, patterns, the, the defensive line can't get home on you. I mean, what, no matter how Correct. good they are. Exactly. And we didn't see a, a great pressure by that defensive line. Is that because they didn't put on pressure or because Georgia Tech's game plan was such to get rid of the ball? I don't have the statistic right in front of me, but I did look at it. Tech was 8 of 16 on third down, Tommy. But they were 6 of 7 on third and short. So FSU did a reasonable job on third and long. But to your point, because Tech was gaining positive yardage on first and second down, in those situations where they they created third and short, uh, they converted almost all of them. I think they were 6 of 7 on those situations. Yeah, and that's, you know, you have a dual-threat guy like Sims, and again, it's salt in the wound for Florida State fans since at one point he was coming to FSU. And I, I don't recall the full story on that. He may not have been what Mike Norvell wanted for his offense, which doesn't mean Mike Norvell, if that's what it was, doesn't mean Mike Norvell doesn't think he's a good college football player. Um, and I don't even know if that's correct. I don't follow recruiting enough, so I probably should retract that because I don't recall what happened with that. Um, obviously disappointing to see Kando go out. 
Now, he was on the sideline limping around after that in the, in the game. Obviously, wasn't going to return. Uh, but I just hope for his sake that that's not anything that's going to linger for multiple games. It was not pretty. I don't know if you had a chance to see the replay. It was not pretty on the replay of how he got hurt. Uh, I don't consider it a, a mean play or anything. There was a penalty on it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anybody going after anything. It's just he has had no luck in his Florida State career to date. Uh, but, yes, he was on the sideline. He was moving around. They had put a brace on it, but he did not reenter the contest. There was the the drive when, when Tech got its long touchdown run. Uh, there were back-to-back plays where Florida State didn't set the edge, and they got a long run to the right and then the long touchdown round, run to the left. Was that on Fuller who went in for Kando, or was it something else they were doing to get that edge? Uh, because Florida State defensively clearly didn't set it. It, it, it looked to me like in those, those particular plays, the, the linebackers did not – I used the old term 40 years ago. They did not scrape properly. A lot of times you don't necessarily require your defensive end to set the edge. You literally want him to string it out but protect against the cutback and just hold people up. And you expect the linebacker to scrape around that and get there and make the play. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at the at the tape and know exactly what they were trying to to accomplish, but that's what it looked like to me. Asante Samuel uh, Jr. He's well thought of. He's a preseason All ACC pick. Has NFL aspirations. His dad played in the league for ten or eleven years at a UCF. A uh, couple nice picks. Uh, certainly, Florida State as a team, I think, had eight interceptions last year. He only had one in his career before having two on Saturday. So it was a nice start for him. He also had a couple of uh, PBUs later in the game. He did, and because of that, we're going to name him our Prime Meridian Bank performer or performance of the game. And uh, you mentioned the two interceptions. I'll confirm he did have the two PPUs. He had uh, five tackles, four of them solo. And uh, we honor him with the Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game. Prime Meridian Bank, uh, checking account, business or personal, home equity, uh, home mortgage, car loans, you name it, they got it. Two locations in Tallahassee, one on Timberlane, the other one on Capitol Circle Northeast, location in uh, Crawfordville and down in Lakeland as, as well. Check them out at trymybank.com. Prime Meridian Bank, our sponsor of our performer of the game, performance of the game, Asante Samuel. Another solid performance turned in by Amari Gaynor, who had 10 tackles, half sack, two and a half tackles for loss. Uh, he, he did his part. Um, defense, though, I mean, those, those were some long drives. They just couldn't get Georgia Tech off the field because there were so many third and shorts, back to the point you made. But Amari played well. They, he did. And I thought the linebackers, other than maybe a couple of times when they didn't get outside like they should have. But, again, Tommy, I go back and, and, and you'd have to track plays and have to ask. But I think, I think you saw this Florida State defense play a lot more zone coverage than they'll play going forward. And Sims was able to be patient. He was able to not make mistakes other than the two that uh, Asante got and was able to, to put together those drives because they ended up in third and short uh, because of their success on first and second down. What else did you see defensively? Uh, I saw some kids getting after the ball. I saw some gang tackling. I didn't see anybody quit. Uh, I liked the effort. Uh, I just think, again, uh, and again, not a, not a severe criticism, but had the game plan been a little more pressure-oriented, I think they might have had a little better success. I think they made the decision to, uh, to stand back and not let Sims get over the top, and he did a very good job for a freshman starting in his first game to pick them 
apart underneath and to pull the ball down and run when he needed to. And back to your point earlier, sometimes you have to give the opponent credit for doing what they need to do to win. But I'm not going to suggest that uh, it was a, a great lights-out defensive performance, but at the end of the day, if you're giving up 16 points and you did block a couple of field goals in there, uh, you did enough that if you get a little more help offensively, you should win that. I mean, 16 points is not going to win a ton of college football games this day and age. No, not at all. And if you could tell tell me right now that this defense would only give up 16 points a game on average, I think we all would take it right now. Yeah, I think we would too. All right, we've got one more segment to go, a lot still to uh, to get to, and we'll do it right after we do this here on Front Row Knowles First Look. Front Row Knowles on 97.9 ESPN Radio is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now, back to Tom and Keith. Final segment here on Front Row Knowles. First look again. This show will come your way 8 a.m. on Sunday morning and again on 6 o'clock on Monday evening on ESPN Tallahassee 97.9, but it really is just what it sounds like, a first look. We haven't broken down tape. We haven't heard from the coaches or the players. So, you know, it's what we saw when we watched the game. Don't necessarily know the explanations, which obviously matter. Um, I, I do know when I talked with Coach Norvell after the game, Keith, and I'm sure the media asked him this, uh, and, and probably our listeners heard it in his comments earlier in this, in this show. Late in the game, Florida State had a fourth and three it would have been about a 51-yard field goal, and the decision was made to go for it. And then you got the false start, which clearly took the field goal out of the equation. It was fourth and eight. But I asked him directly if he considered a field goal, and the answer was, well, he just thought it was – even though there had been a 53-yarder earlier in the game, he thought that was the better choice there. Your thoughts? Well, the 53-yarder, despite what they tried to, to make out on the tel- from television commentators, was not would not have been good from 60. It was good with – have been good from 54. It barely <laughs> got across that crossbar, uh, but it was dead straight and it was dead on it. Um, you know that's that. You know that that's one of those. They talk about the 50-50 balls. You know, you throw them up and the receiver gets it half the time. The DB intercepts it or knocks it away the other half the time. That that you, you just got to go with your gut. The bottom line is they were fourth and three and had a penalty, and that's what put them in the fourth and eight. And as a result, blah blah blah. Why did they have the penalty? Because they had some issues on the offensive line with kids going down and that type of thing. The, the second half was not a good offensive performance for this group. And, and, and Kelly will be the first one to tell you. I mean, he mans up to everything, as does Coach Norvell. They've just got to get better. The thing that disappointed me more was losing the fourth quarter the way they did. And I know there were a lot of tech players going down, and you mentioned this in passing previously, that the fans were a little upset because they thought some of that was a little bit staged and trying to take uh, FSU out of their tempo. But the bottom line is FSU did not win the fourth quarter, whether it's desire, whether it's conditioning, or anything else. That part was disappointing. FSU lost 9 nothing in that fourth quarter, and that cost them the ball game. You mentioned the, 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 the one penalty that took it to fourth and eight, probably the biggest of the game against Florida State. 
I didn't see there, – there weren't many times uh, – one play comes to mind when Blackman just beat the play clock from hitting zero. I didn't see problems getting lined up. I mean, there were, there were six or seven penalties. A couple were offsides, a false start. But I didn't see line up or getting the play call in or those sort of mistakes. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and that part of it was clean. Uh, the same on the defensive end. They got defensive calls in correctly. You didn't see you know, receivers running wide open. Even in the in the zone coverage that they were playing, they were they were near. They just weren't close enough uh, because they were they were you know uh, repeating myself in that zone scheme. Um, there, there's a lot to be hopeful from. Now I know Georgia Tech is not a great ball club, and I know going into the season they were predicted to be last in the ACC. But this is not a team with Jeff Sims at the quarterback that's going to be the worst team in the ACC. Uh, and as a result, there are some things to take away to be happy. There are plenty of things to be sad about. I think one thing that, that I didn't know until it was brought to my attention is this is the fourth consecutive year that FSU has lost their home opener. Now, one of those was Alabama. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. But that part, you know, it, it's just demoralizing for a team and for the fan base when you open your season with a loss and you always feel like you're trying to catch up. Well, and Florida State fans aren't used to it, but that's been a conscious choice that FSU has made and how it's scheduled. Because when you and because they've they've said yes when the ACC has said, "Hey, play our primetime games," but they open against Alabama, open against Virginia Tech, scheduled Boise, and open against them. This year, you thought you had an easier go against Georgia Tech, but I hate to tell you, next year Florida State opens against Notre Dame on Monday night Labor Day weekend, and the next two years after that, they open against LSU. So you know, at some point. The answer is you got to get better as a football team if you're going to schedule those games. And remember, we used to say that we liked that having those um, uh, opponents that would be uh, commanding respect because you would know about that in January and February and March and on into spring and into the summer. Uh, so I guess I guess we're we're somewhat hypocritical in that we are talking out of both sides of our mouth, but nevertheless. Florida State's got to learn and, and hopefully will to do a better job to open up the season with a win versus a loss. Yeah, I, I don't want to make too much of this. I know everybody's disappointed right now. And, you know, we got one game in about a month ago. Shoot, two weeks ago, we weren't convinced we'd play the first game, right? Based well, on and, the- and in light of the two games that have been rescheduled in the ACC, you know, we're off next week and, and, and then play Miami – Will that game be played? You, you, that's always in the back of your mind. And to that end, if you think about maybe you only end up playing five games and that's what you have to recruit on, well, then, yeah, you'd like to see things get going here, even if it ends up being three and two. But, you know, win a couple games and, and show some productivity uh, from the recruiting standpoint and just moving the program in the right direction. On the other hand, uh, Georgia Tech is in year two of its rebuild. So they had a full spring practice and a full season with Jeff Collins and his coaching staff. I don't know how much of their spring they got in this year, but they're a year further ahead in that regard. Uh, and I think your point is right on. It's You did get an extended fall camp, which was good, but you only got three practices in the spring, which was not a fair shake to determine, is that a guy I can go to battle with or not? If you get the full 15, you might come out of that and say – okay, we definitely need to go get another guy at that position. But with three practices, you might not have had enough to go on. Exactly, exactly. And you're installing a brand-new system on both sides of the ball. 
Uh, you've got, what, seven new coaches. Uh, Ronnie and, 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 uh, and Odell are the only two remaining. I, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, and you couldn't work out. You were quarantined. Your meetings were at Zoom. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why a new staff is very, very handicapped uh, in 2020. And uh, we just need to be patient, give them a little time. Uh, I liked I liked the demeanor. I liked the effort. I liked the continuity relative to, as you mentioned, the little things, getting lined up, getting the plays in, that type of thing. There's plenty there to, to work from. It's just disappointing that you have to start with a, with a loss. Well, the biggest uh, improvement comes from game one to game two, right? That's what the book says, whoever wrote that dang thing. Well, Florida State now has two weeks to sit and stew and look at this game tape and get ready for Miami. And uh, I will say this, and we don't need to preview this game too much, but to your point about playing zone or worrying about the opposing quarterback running, if you're in man, well, Miami's quarterback can run. So you're going to have that same dilemma again on how you want to handle that. Well, and, and, and that'll be interesting to see how Florida State uh, responds to it, but the good news is you got two weeks to get ready for it, and you got an entire game tape to look on the things that you did a little different or that you would want to do a little different on the things you didn't do as well as you need to. Yeah, I guess my general takeaway as we wrap up, Keith, I was obviously we all wanted to see a win, and the reality is I don't think we saw anything that we haven't seen the last few years. We've known the offensive line uh, is not great. We've known the quarterback play has been inconsistent. Uh, the defense I, I thought would perform a little better, but I, again, I'm going to go back and say that Jeff Sims had a pretty nice game. Now, maybe he won't do that to everybody. Maybe the rest of the opponents will now see what Jeff Sims can and can't do, you know, and some of his limitations will be exposed. But uh, maybe, Keith, we did what we always do, which is spend the eight months before the season starts getting a little overly optimistic. Well, we, we have a history of doing that, uh, and we have a want to do that, particularly coming off the last two years that we've had. So we are, um, we are creatures of habit, and, and maybe we handicapped ourselves a little bit, but uh, we're going to continue to root for our team, and we're going to continue to pull for these kids, and uh, we're going to continue to watch them uh, regardless of how they play. And uh, let's, put, let's learn from our mistakes. Let's put this one behind us and get ready to go forward. Let's, you know, we didn't devote any attention to special teams, and Mike Norvell devotes a lot of attention there. So kick coverage was definitely better. I think the first three kickoffs, Georgia Tech ended up starting inside its own 20, which you just don't see that very frequently now. So clearly that was better. You blocked three kicks, which Jeff Collins after the game said they had not done a – this is related to COVID and social distancing. He said they had not done a lot of uh, their field goal team in that regard. But he also gave Florida State credit for it. But, but regardless of, of the Georgia Tech side of it, three block kicks, that hadn't happened uh, in several years for Florida State. Um, I thought Travis Jay showed some promise. I thought the punter kicked pretty well. I mean, I think there's a lot to build on on the special team side. I do as well. I, I think one of the things that's also interesting is, you know, Grillhouse had 40 or 41 touchbacks last year. He was intentionally, I think, you tell me, I think they were intentionally wanting the ball returned because they have that much faith in their cover unit. And it showed up because there were several, at least three, that were inside the 15 that were actually returned. 
Yeah, I think there was only one that was returned that, that squirted out further, and it might have been to the 30. But I I was pleased with it uh, overall. I mean, you can you can see that they believe in the special teams because you could just tell watching the players on the special teams unit that they were taking it seriously. So uh, I, I thought that was a good step in the, in the right direction. Obviously, you'd rather build off a win than build off a loss, but it is what it is right now, Keith. It's one game, and uh, I'm glad we at least got to play a game, and uh, hopefully we stay on schedule and play Miami in two weeks. Uh, I, I hope that as well. I thought uh, I thought Campbell Stadium was representative with what seventeen, eighteen thousand folks in there. Chiefs were were doing what they do best, uh, and it was just good to to take a uh, what should have been a three and a half and four hour diversion ended up being about six with the weather delays. And by the way, don't don't discount that as it relates to a, a young team or a team in their first year with a coaching staff. I mean, you had to get ready and then, and then quit on two different occasions for this game. Can't make excuses. Georgia Tech had to do the same thing. But all in all, it was just indicative of how 2020 has been so far. Yeah, well, that's a true statement. That is definitely a true statement. All right, Keith, well, we'll be back for our regular show, Front Row Knowles, every Wednesday at 6 on ESPN Tallahassee 97.9. Uh, appreciate it, KJ. It's always therapeutic when you and I do this. I'm just I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to the point where we don't need therapy. Yeah, I, the the therapy and therapeutic uh, are two words I'd like to get rid of for all yeah. kinds of reasons. Understand. I'll see you on Wednesday. We'll do this again, folks. Thanks for tuning in. This is Front Row Knowles First Look. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control.